Hello and welcome to the Tell Me If You Can podcast, a podcast where I have the honor of interviewing different women and listening to and unpacking their stories. My name is Ogechi, your host, and today's guest is Monica Garrett. Monica is the founder and CEO of the Margot Agency, a Los Angeles-based digital marketing agency. In today's episode, Monica talks about her journey towards using her creative interests in her career and how her mother and her solution-focused mentality inspired her even as she pursued her own job goals. Let's take a listen to Monica's story. Monica, welcome to the podcast. For those of us that don't know who you are, can you just give us a quick bio, who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Monica Garrett, and I am the founder and the CEO of the Margot Agency. And we're located in Long Beach, California. And I'm a California native, but I've kind of lived all over the country. And I landed in Long Beach after college, and that's where um, I started the agency, where we focus on digital marketing services, um, specializing in SEO, PPC, web design, and social media marketing for health and fitness brands. Um, And yeah, so I uh, grew up in Southern California, and I moved all over (laughs) so many different cities there. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but uh, kind of just traveled all over the all over Southern California, and I actually ended up in high school in South Carolina, and so wow. I went, yeah, kind of all the way over there, and I was, you know, picked, you know, up from Long Beach, California, all the way to um, a little city out of, outside of Charleston, South Carolina, and so it was like a huge culture shock to me and everything and all that. But I was there for literally all of high school, so for four years. And, um, I stayed on the East coast for a little bit and I went to a private four-year college in Florida. Um, I, I thought I wanted to study advertising. And so I went to this college thinking it was going to be sort of that beach vibe because, you know, it was the East coast and I missed California so much, but so I went to Florida and, um, it wasn't really anything that I hoped it would be. It was a different, still kind of really Southern and just, um, a different culture. And so I wanted more of a challenge and, and, a and a really great education for what I could afford at least. And so I had taken a trip to New York and I, I learned from a convention that I went to uh, women in, in advertising in New York that a lot of the people didn't study advertising. They were actually artists like graphic designers and mm-hmm. illustrators And so I always had this creative background. And when I thought of doing advertising, I thought I would be the creative in advertising, but I didn't realize there was so much um, strategy and business behind it really. And so I thought I had to, I had to learn all of that. And so I kind of was, um, I geared, you know, I put my energy and efforts into a different direction and I started, I started focusing on art a little bit more And I went to, um, I flew back to South Carolina and I went to the University of South Carolina where I studied um, a lot of advertising and graphic design. And uh, I, then I realized, what am I doing here? I can easily drive my happy ass over to California (laughs) and live with my grandma. (laughs) So um, 
the University of South Carolina is huge and it's a beautiful campus and it's everything I thought an East Coast college vibe should be. And so I really loved it. But I, you know, was like, there's California and I have access to it. So I literally drove cross country with uh, a girlfriend that I had um, that I worked at a restaurant with. And she randomly was like, I'll drive with you and I'll fly back. Oh and I was like, yeah, because I was going to do it by myself. <laughs> That's how determined I was. And um, and so she was um, she was Puerto Rican, but she was adopted. And so she was like, I know that my birth parents live in California, so I'll make this a little trip for myself as well and try and find them. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. And so she had kind of her own little journey of wanting to go and then, you know, joining me on my crazy little adventure. And so it was really awesome. And it took us about five days to drive from South Carolina to California. And we got in an accident in Texas. (laughs) And so there was a lot, yeah, there was a lot of hiccups and we were just like, what are we doing? Oh my gosh. But we made it and we made it through and it was an awesome experience. It was just completely awesome. And so then I, I finished college out here at uh, California State University of Long Beach. And by that time, I had been in college almost six years. And I was like, okay, let's wrap this up. I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you, were, you, you traveled the country going to college, basically. Yeah, I did. So, and so I, yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about your childhood specifically. Um, mm-hmm. so you started off, you know, being born in Southern California and then you ended up in South Carolina. So how did yeah. that happen? Yeah. So I had, um, a stepfather at the time that was really very nomadic in the way of like, let's move again. And he had this, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll never understand it. But to this day, he was like, you know, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, it's booming. It's there's something going on there. <laughs> Let's go. And he was in the restaurant business. And so I think he thought there was an opportunity to start a, a new restaurant out there and stuff. And it was horrible. I was 14 years old. And, you know, I was already kind of just figuring out myself and everything. So going to South Carolina and for high school was crazy. It was like completely traumatic and just not where I wanted to be. But I I have friends from there still. I love visiting. And it was, it's, you know, completely formed me to who I am today. That's for sure. So it was, uh, it was a hard transition. Um, but I wouldn't, I don't regret it. That's for sure. Because it, it definitely, I met amazing people that I still love today. And, um, yeah, it was quite an experience. <laughs> wow. And I, I feel like when you're a young person and you don't get to choose where you move to, it mm-hmm. can be frustrating to live with someone that's nomadic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're just like, again, um, yeah. especially a whole other side of the country. So you don't even mm-hmm. have a chance of seeing the friends that you made when you were at your previous location. So who inspired you growing up? So the most inspiring woman I know is my mother. I mean, the hardship that she's gone through and the like determination and just beautiful personality has just always been something to look up to and admire. And like her strength is crazy. I mean, growing up, she was a single mother 
and I had my brother who's just about 18 months older than me. So we're really close in age and we were really young and she was, you know, a single mom raising us and just took, um, she always worked. There was never a time where she felt, um, there was nothing that, that she couldn't do to help us. And so she always worked. And I always remember that, like, no matter what, you know, figure it out, there's something that can be done. And that's definitely been ingrained in me, like her strength and courage and determination and just real creativity as well. Like she's super creative. I mean, on a surface level, a surface, you know, you look at her and you're like, oh, she can paint or sew or something. But I think a big part of creativity is just thinking outside the box and finding solutions to problems, which as a graphic designer, I've always thought that that's what I do is solve problems for people. And my mom is just very resourceful and um, doesn't let anything hold her back or or stop her from doing something that she wants to do or, or get really. And that has always been ingrained in me and is definitely been my most, you know, number one inspiration. Um, she's just amazing. She's just super amazing. (laughs) That's so awesome. And I feel like so many women that are moms, they don't realize that the example of what it means to be strong and empowered that they give to their children, um, because, you know, you observe all these things and you internalize them and then affects the decisions that you make. And so her always being able to, you know, be a scrapper and to be solution focused and finding a solution, even given the circumstances that were difficult and um, reasonably so she, she inspired you. So that's awesome. What was your dream job when you were growing up? You know, it's funny. I think back on it and I was the type of kid that I wanted to do everything. I wanted to be a construction worker. I wanted to, you know, be an artist. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to do so many things because I felt it was possible. And when I, yeah, when I was growing up, um, what's kind of, I guess, sort of, I don't know, and it's not sad or anything, but there's this uh, sort of stigma or something ingrained in us as women based on our looks. Right. Mm. And so growing up, especially, um, you know, in the Latin culture, your looks play a big part on your sexuality, your presentation, you know, how people embrace you. And so I, at some point, really thought that I wanted to be a model or an actress. And I put value on the idea of how I looked and how um, that could make me money. And so growing up for a long time, even my mom put me in beauty pageants, which is crazy. I don't really ever talk about that, (laughs) but um, I was in like, you know, beauty pageants growing up and uh, went to, you know, the modeling thing and tried to do all of that. And I really thought that that's what I was going to do, but I'm like five feet tall (laughs) and all of these other things. I'm like, wait, maybe I'll do commercials or something. um, But yeah, like it was funny, but if I think back, like that was something that I really thought would be the route that I would go. Um, And it wasn't until high school, which, you know, in South Carolina that I was sort of, um, starting to feel the spark of entrepreneurism because Mm. I took a class on, 
I think it was, um, it was graphic design. And at the time it was probably like visual communications. I think it was. And I was able to make like hand print a magazine and, you know, bind it like a little book and print it and actually feel and touch it and grab it and hand it out to people and see their reactions. Um, I was on the literary magazine, I think, and we put together a little booklet, but, um, that started exciting me to the idea of selling things and making things that had sort of a value on it that people wanted. Um, and then I was also growing the skill set of being able to design it myself. So um, that's what took me down the route of graphic design. And then eventually when I, uh, one of my first jobs out of college was with a company um, called Knock Knock that sold gift and stationary products. And it was really, really cool in the sense of I got to design things that were then placed in stores and people got to buy. Yeah. And it was just the most, it was the coolest thing because I got that job because not because they were hiring, but because I went after them and I was like, I want to work with you. (laughs) Um, I want to be here. So here's my portfolio. Here's my resume. Um, let me know the next steps. <laughs> they were like, um, we're not hiring. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I don't know about that, but you need to figure it out. <laughs> and so um, what's crazy is they reached out to me like six months after that. And we're like, Hey, we have an opening for like a junior graphic designer. Do you want to come on board? And I was like, yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was. Um, and so I tell people, and I used to tell my interns all the time, you know, don't think about like, Oh, one day I'm going to have this job or I'm going to work at this really cool place, find that place and apply and just tell them, I want to work with you (laughs) and, and put it all in and, and just see what they say, because it's not always just, you know, we're hiring, come, you know, come and interview and be challenged against all these other applicants. Um, Having passion and interest for working for somebody, I think, stands out way more than, um, just waiting for that opportunity to arise. So when I, um, worked for them for, I guess it was a, almost a couple of years, I actually got laid off. And when I was, when I was young, so I was traumatized and I took it so personally and all of this stuff, but the, what was ingrained in me, you know, growing up through my mom was, you know, you know, just pick up your boots and keep going. And so I cried a little bit, of course. (laughs) And then as soon as I went back to my little studio apartment, I started a business. I got my business license. I started setting it up. I thought of a name. I started doing all the things that I thought I needed to do to start a business, which, you know, was correct at the time, but there's so much more to it. (laughs) And so I became a freelance graphic designer and I started my first business, which was called Papercut Industries. And, um, I had that company for five years and it grew into a studio space in Long Beach that I shared with a couple under other, uh, wedding vendors. And it was amazing. I had staff, I had interns, I had people, and I had a place, you know, that we all went like an office, you know, and it was amazing. And so what's crazy with that one is that I didn't really have, um, a huge passion for the wedding industry. (laughs) And Mm. so my energies were being used, you know, all to this wedding industry and stuff. And it's just not where I wanted to be. And so I was confused and 
and just wondering what to do next because I, I loved being an entrepreneur and I loved having my own business, but I didn't know what else to do. And so um, on a whim, I applied for a position as an art director at a local magazine and I got it like right away. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. I guess I, I have a new career here. Okay. Okay. So um, it was really funny though, because that weekend I went to Palm Springs for my birthday mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and they had, and I'll, I'll never forget this because they emailed me and I think called me. And of course, you know, I'm in Palm Springs for my birthday. So I was a little yes. tipsy. <laughs> I was uh, you know, in my bikini. I was living life. And I'm like, Oh yes. What, what was that? Oh, I got questions about this job. Okay. <laughs> um, and they pretty much gave me a, a little challenge to design a cover of a magazine that they needed right away just, you know, to consider me. And so I did it and I got the job that Monday. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a game changer for me. And so I closed, um, that business, but it never left me that desire to still own my own business. And so ironically enough, I worked at that magazine for a few years and I got laid off. A lot of people got laid off, not just me, but you know, I wasn't new to the game. And so again, right away, I started another business and that's where Margo agency was born. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's always come full circle to me kind of wanting to own my own business and I love it. I love it. It's where I thrive and I just love helping other businesses grow and encouraging and inspiring other, you know, women as well to do it so it's been really exciting wow I mean that's an incredible (laughs) you took us on a journey I have so many things I I want to talk about now so first let's circle her back to you as a kid and you talked about basically you talked about beauty as being a a source of social capital and Mm -hmm. it reminded me of a time when women really did not have much um, power or any kind mm-hmm. of like in the way, in the traditional sense, especially yeah. many, many decades ago. So if you were beautiful, at least you could, you know, leverage that towards having like a wealthier spouse than someone that was not as attractive okay. and all these standards of beauty that people aspire to not to just be beautiful, but to position themselves to have some sort of privilege or influence or money, or at least mm-hmm. be, if I'm going to be in an arranged marriage or in mm-hmm. a situation that I'm not feeling powerful, I have this over somebody else. And that I can yeah. do th- use that to influence my life in whatever way possible. So I think mm-hmm. culturally that's trickled down, um, not in the more survival sense that it used to be, but it's trickled down now to like, well, unfortunately, the more beautiful you are, society respects you, listens to you, you get more offers, all those things that we subconsciously um, do for people mm-hmm. that are quote unquote beautiful and, mm-hmm. you know, beauty is subjective, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I can also see why so many people focus so much on that or think about that. Um, and how that can affect you. And you went from thinking you could do all the things to then thinking, well, I guess I have to do things related to how I look. And then you had that shift because of that. 
club that you were in in high school. And also I think perhaps being in South Carolina, which is a different vibe than mm-hmm. the kind of like more, um, and I don't want to assume everybody in California cares only about their looks because that's not the, that's not the truth, but it also is like, you know, Hollywood central and people are always thinking about modeling and acting and all of those things that have a lot to do with how you look in South Mm -hmm. Carolina is not that, not that there are not beautiful people in South Carolina, but um, I think that kind of like atmosphere change also helps you change that perspective. And then we go into how you basically took after your mom and like scraped your way into all these jobs you I mean the boldness to be like okay so one day you're gonna need me so here's my resume just so you just so you know in case you were wondering I'm the person you need you're welcome like that is so badass yeah and 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 that that's the thing is it takes you know that drive to do that right and I don't and I think I don't know why we don't. To me, it's like, why don't we do that? But it's this thing yes. where like, you know, there's, there's rules, there's a way you do this. And, and that just doesn't get you very far. Um, yes. you, so, did yeah. you, mm-hmm. you put yourself out there and you, um, you had that company that you really wanted to work for and they wouldn't know about you if you just, and you can, again, this is an advice for people um, when people ask me about applying to jobs, I used to work in HR. Yes, mm-hmm. of course, you submit your resume to whatever posting that they have, but also, mm-hmm. you know, calling them or even volu- asking them to volunteer, making sure they know you more on a personal level, seeing yeah. you face to face, following up after you sent that resume a couple weeks later, asking about just making sure that they know that you that you should be the first person they think of. They can get a thousand resumes, but they need yes. to be searching through for you because mm-hmm. you've made an impression on them. And I think your boldness definitely, they might've been like, okay, who was that girl <laughs> um, that like sashayed into here and told us about herself? What was her name again? And they probably yeah. searched for you first before they even read anybody else when they had that opening because you yeah. made an impression. And then yeah. you had, then you had, mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were laid off, which happens a lot, especially in the creative space, but mm-hmm. you didn't let that set you back. You started your freelance business. How did yeah. you land into the wedding industry? Yeah. So actually being kind of crafty, I, when I was working at that job, I, since it was gift and stationery, I started getting familiar with the industry um, and different printing techniques and stuff like that, which I always had interest in the tactileness of, of, of things. And so I went on, um, Etsy and started a little store and I started selling custom invitations for weddings, but, um, I started doing things like sewing on the paper. So just to make it a little bit more custom and different. So mm-hmm. I, you know, you can go on Etsy and order your invitations, change the color and the wording, whatever. But I was like, what else could we do? And so that's when I started sort of blinging them up and adding embellishments, um, almost like a scrapbook kind of approach. But at the time, nobody was seeing invitations like that. And so people were buying them from me. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's where I felt maybe that's where I can make a business out of it where people do custom orders, you know, when they order a hundred invitations or so, 
Um, and it became a product based business. So that my first business model was completely different than the one I have now, which is only service based. And so since I had worked in that environment, um, I felt a little more comfortable knowing how to source printing and paper and presentation of it all. Um, mm-hmm. And the business model grew because not only was it custom and especially when I started localizing it and meeting with people in person, I would sit with them and, and kind of like, you know, you have your own artist. It's like, well, what do you want your wedding to look like? Oh, you want goldfish on your invitation? Cool. Let me draw some goldfish, you know, like whatever it is you want, I did. And so that made everything really different and special to people and they paid more for it. And so not only did I start to realize that there was a little need for it, but then I could do more. I could also, I felt like I was branding weddings because I would think of all the other elements that needed to be cohesive you know, the favors, the napkins, let's do some little matchbooks or, you know, what else can we do to really personalize your wedding? And at the time, this was about 10 years ago, everybody wanted that. And everybody wanted all the little things that were customized and matched perfectly, you know, over the top stuff. Um, And then I started getting into silk box invitations and and sourcing brooches and different high-end materials for these weddings. And it was amazing. And there was, you know, I love the creativity of it all. But it, again, it was like the wedding industry that I just wasn't vibing on. <laughs> I was like, um, yes, and I don't it's know. Also yeah. Kind of um, like, I mean, to say stressful, every job can be stressful. But mm-hmm. I think you have like, tremendous power and impact that you can make but also a lot of pressure and you deal with all types of personalities when you're planning a wedding and (laughs) then there's the um it's almost never ending or you know that high season now I feel like everybody has a wedding every month probably of the year but (laughs) that high season of that spring summertime where you're Mm -hmm. you know that you're not going to be able to do things that you would like to do because it's Mm -hmm. like am I turning down this opportunity to meet with a potential bride or family or whatever and create her dream wedding? And as you grow, your demand grows and then Mm -hmm. you have to be so innovative, but it's also an easy, easy space to get into as someone that's a designer, because there's always going to be a need for wedding design things. People are always going to want to have that custom unique touch and Mm -hmm. um, you can provide that to them and it's it's inundated but also there's always again the need is so great that you can find your own path and you did that by being so creative and thinking outside the box um so now you you go into the wedding industry it's not for you and so you decide to make a shift and you apply for this art director position at the magazine and you land the job while on vacation, which I, I mean, it's hard because you have to then turn on your, turn off your vacation mind where it's like, you know, enjoying, relaxing by the water or whatever. And then you have to turn on your business mind and answer this like call to create this uh, cover, which wouldn't have been easy when you weren't planning on doing it. What kind of magazine was it? And why did you pick that magazine? Well, um, so the magazine is a local um, family magazine. It's called OC Family. 
and it's based in Orange County and it's 50,000 or 500,000 distribution or something like that. So it's big in Southern California. And to me, it was something different. And it was something that I didn't know. I've never designed a magazine cover before. I never looked at design that way. And and it's different and Mm -hmm. it's very unique. You have to get somebody's attention with that cover. And it can't be too overwhelming, but it has to be clear. Like there's so many different things playing. And the photo, which photo you choose is huge. And I later learned when I got the job and I would go in these meetings that when we tried to choose the cover image, oh my gosh, <laughs> the pressure, it was never good enough. It was like, wait, they're not looking exactly up and the, you know, like I need more space here. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't ever realize all that went into it. Um, but what was, what was crazy is I accepted the challenge. I accepted the challenge to learn something new and really push myself to do it. And what's funny is the hardest part wasn't doing the work or trying to figure any of that out. The hardest part was being in an office and sitting at a desk (laughs) for nine to five. When I went into that office, when I started and I sat down and they're like, this is your desk. And I was like, okay, I felt like I was grounded. I felt like, oh my God, like I have to stay here and I have to like be here for all day. And I, (laughs) because I love the flexibility and the freedom of being my own boss. And, and so it was, that was the hardest part for me to get used to. Um, but again, I took the opportunity and I flew with it and I rebranded the whole magazine. They let me, they embraced it. I brought on new photographers that I knew from the wedding industry and made the photography in the magazine stand out and be more amazing and not stock photos, you know, cause again, it was a local magazine. They didn't have a huge budget. Um, and so I just brought in a little bit more and I worked with the editor of the magazine who she did all the words and I did all the visuals and we were a great team of the content we, we staged photo shoots, you know, we pushed it and we pushed it more and more and it was great. And we won awards for it. We were recognized in the community. Um, you know, people wanted to advertise in the magazine again and it was amazing. I was so proud. I was so proud of the work that I, I did there and, um, they let me, you know, be creative. And like one of the first magazine covers, that I wanted to do that was not a stock photo <laughs> was um, I think it was like, you know, 50 things to do in orange County or something with your kids. And so mm. I got the editor's son at the time who was probably nine years old to model on the cover. And I made, I wanted to do like an ice cream cone with like five scoops, you know, piled up high. And he's just looking at it like, Oh my God, this is the biggest. <laughs> How am I going to even start to eat this? And, um, but what's funny is I had no idea how to photograph food or the, you know, what goes into making food photographic or able to be on a cover of a magazine. And so I, I, you know, went on Pinterest or something and I found out how to make fake ice cream. And so I made some fake ice cream scoops and they thought they were like, Oh my God, like she's not only just designing the magazine and laying it out and stuff, but she's really getting into the art direction and the, and the, you know, styling of the photos and everything. And yeah. I, I took it to she a whole that. Yeah. But they didn't have a budget. So I was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to do this. And I, I made the fake ice cream. I, you know, hairsprayed it to make it glisten. And it was pretty much sugar and flour, you know, like I don't even know food coloring. And it was awesome and it was the most well-received magazine cover and they were just like people were blown away 
because they hadn't seen anything like that, especially on a local, you know, magazine. They usually see a really yeah. bad stock photo of like some kids wearing 1970s clothes or whatever. And you're just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you're like, what? And that's a real kid. It's, you know, it looks real and everything. And it was so fun. And I was like, cool, if they're going to let me do this and really kind of explore things, I'm going to keep pushing it. And I did. And so even on photo shoots that were normal, instead of just posting the recipe, I'm like, let's spray some macaroni noodles, you know, dry macaroni noodles on the floor, on a wooden floor. And then I'll put the copy on that part in the photo. And let's just make it different instead of just the recipe on the page. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. It was so fun. And they really let me explore. And what, I mean, the reason we were all laid off was we were acquired by another company and, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing. But it was really great. And it was really, you know, just pushed me to just be a little bit more creative and problem solve really. So it was awesome. (laughs) That's, I mean, yeah. So your desire to do something different and really um, challenge yourself creatively and professionally really showed because you, you, you put forth that extra effort that landed you great results in terms of those covers. And um, I, I'm sure the team that you worked with also learned those skills and, and carry them on wherever they move forward. So then yeah. unfortunately, you know, when companies get acquired, that's sort of how the cookie gets crumbled that they yeah. end up laying off the old staff. And mm-hmm. so again, you don't wallow and then you start your own business. How did you land on, what the market, well, first of all, the name and (laughs) what the focus of the agency would be and how it would be different than when you had your old business. Yeah. So this is what's crazy. So my, and just to to sum it all up, my mom always says that I never let grass grow under my feet because I'm Mm. always going and going and looking for the next thing to do. And I, I don't settle. And so when, um, I got laid off from the magazine, Oddly enough, I had just returned from maternity leave. And so at the time I, you know, maternity leave, I was work, I was at home for three months and then I came back and they let me work from home still. And so I would come uh, do photo shoots and I could pretty much design the whole magazine from home. So it wasn't a problem. Yeah. I literally got a phone call saying, we're letting you go. So I never had to go into the office. It was, it was very weird. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, I guess I'll just stay home and keep doing what I'm doing with my baby. And um, again, it was like it had just repeated itself. And I felt like, you know, I can work from home. I can do graphic design. I can do this and have a business. And so I'm like, this time around, though, I'm not going to have a product. I'm not going to be producing the invitations or whatever. I'm going to be helping businesses grow with, you know, their website, their logo. Um, And that's initially what I thought was just, you know, branding and websites. Um, And so uh, my daughter's name is Gianna Margot. Mm. And (laughs) a lot of pressure there, but I named the company Margot Agency after her. (laughs) Yeah. Now I'm like, okay. (laughs) Well, I know what you're going to be when you grow up. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, oh Lord. So that's where the name came from. And 
the whole initial business model was to do branding and, and web design for, for businesses. Mm-hmm. And it had it from there it grew and it was all very word of mouth initially, but it grew from realizing that um, these businesses that I was helping, you know, whether I just did their brand identity or their website, they still needed more help. They still, you know, didn't know anything about social media. They didn't know anything about digital marketing in the sense of maybe advertising or SEO and all of these other things, which I had become familiar with because of my own business. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started offering those services, especially social media marketing. And it just took off Um, because I think it was just this, this unknown to a lot of businesses of like, okay, everybody says I need social media, but I don't know what to do with it. I post or I do this and that, and it doesn't, nothing happens. So what am I doing wrong? You know? (laughs) And I'm like, well, you need a strategy as with anything. Like you don't just do to do like, why are you, you know? And so I would help them connect with their target audience in the right way. And it just took off. And I realized, okay, having a long-term relationship with these clients is what's going to make this business grow. And so that's kind of where we are now, where we offer a lot of these services because we have really long relationships with our clients and we help them navigate, you know, the digital marketing world and we don't leave them hanging. Um, Yes. Yeah. That is, I mean, that's really cool. You recognize, again, just like with your first business, you recognize Mm -hmm. kind of like a desire from your ideal client and Mm -hmm. you add it on the custom touch, like you, you, you were saying with those invitations and then mm-hmm. in a way without an actual physical product of invitations or, um, <laughs> you know, those trinkets that people end up throwing away after wedding. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. yeah. I was so frugal with my wedding. I was like, um, they're just, I've been to enough weddings to know that this just ends up in the trash. So let's cut yeah. out a thousand dollars and not oh give God. away all of these things. But again, <laughs> when you're running a business, of course you're going to offer it and be like, Hey, would you like to do this? And people, you know, they want, they want something special, so they do yeah. it. But anyway, I digress. That was my tangent. <laughs> um, you kind of created that kind of like curated custom touch, but now in the more digital space for businesses and you know up and coming business owners. And I like that it's scalable as a, as a business model because if I'm starting my business and I know that okay, I have this much budget, obviously, as many people that are starting their business, they Mm -hmm. can only invest a certain amount, they can come to you and consult with you. And you might say, okay, your focus should be on having a cohesive brand. And this is like, what you should spend your money on. And then Mm -hmm. that cohesive brand, you know, they can build on that, or their focus might be on just marketing in the digital space, which is completely different to traditional marketing. And that Mm -hmm. can help them with whatever goal they have then. And then they can always down the road, add on the extra social media stuff or add on. Usually I feel like marketing's first and then branding. Cause it's like, what is the purpose of having a perfect logo if no one sees it? (laughs) But you know, to, to each their own, um, you know, having like a basic logo is better than no logo, obviously. And then you can always make it look fancier or, 
make your feed fancier. If you're not even posting on social media, who cares if you have like a preset or something? Like people ask me like, mm-hmm. well, how do I make my feed cohesive? And I'm just like, well, how often are you even posting for mm-hmm. anyone to care? <laughs> like again, <laughs> cart horse, you know? And But you mm-hmm. can offer that kind of consultation and, and then they can scale their business and their um, custom and, you know, their marketing and all of that stuff. Yeah. to their needs so that's really cool that you've you're providing that service but it's also benefiting you as a business owner because your business doesn't it's not a one-stop shop like the wedding once the wedding's mm-hmm. over they might come back to you for a special event that they have but really it's usually the wedding is over and then it's like you don't see them again and you always have yeah. to hustle for the next client this time you can have a set number of clients that you have a longer term relationship for and i think that is a great business model for you to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, and it's I'm definitely... just poetic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all good. Yeah. I mean, with the invitations and stuff, it was very, you know, and again, talking about like the tchotchkes and the favors and everything, I, you know, it became a point too, where I didn't necessarily believe in having all of that jazz. I didn't have all that jazz. Mm. And I got married in the time that I had that company. <laughs> um, wow. But, yeah. You know, and so there was a lot playing against me. The idea of paper, you know, kind of bothered me too, you know, all that paper and stuff. And now, you know, brides are, they're doing digital and it wasn't, so I didn't really feel that. And my husband would tell me this all the time then too, like, you know, how long do you think people will want to invest in paper? And I'm like, well, that's why I'm shooting for higher ticket weddings because the smaller weddings were like, well, we'll just do a digital invitation. And when I got into the higher ticket, you know, doing the silk box wedding invitations and really custom, I mean, these invitations were like $50 each. I mean, it was crazy. And I just didn't think it it was aligned with what I, you know, wanted to do or support. (laughs) And so now with, you know, supporting businesses growing and stuff and really believing in what they're trying to do you know, we bring this big agency approach with all this experience that we have, but we have that personalized attention of a small team and people love it. Um, you know, even though, you know, they'll, people always tell me, I don't know if you even have any other clients because we feel like we get so much attention and I'm like, well, that's awesome, but <laughs> we do have other clients, so I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, but they feel that we don't neglect them. You know, we give them our all, and and that's that's probably coming from my other business model in the sense of I know people love that personalized feeling. You know, people love knowing that you care and that you're gonna really create something that's gonna benefit them, and it's not just cookie cutter or just you know here's our package. It works for everybody. Adios. It's no, we're gonna create something that's gonna work for you and your goals and to attract the people that you want to attract. And this is how we can help you do that. Um, yes. So yeah. That is, yeah, that is so awesome. And you brought up the point of that when you run your own business or you have your own company, there comes a time where sometimes your social beliefs or moral beliefs come into conflict with making money. And mm-hmm. like you said, if you were trying to, if you personally we're not going to have all these extra tchotchkes in your mm-hmm. wedding. So if the, again, 
you might think like, okay, am I being hypocritical or um, yeah, and promote yeah. this? Yeah, it's not the alignment wasn't there, and also mm-hmm. the sustainability part of having all of these paper products when you might personally believe in saving the universe, uh, mm-hmm. saving the environment, saving the trees, and all of that, but you're yeah. also contributing to that waste. kind of waste because it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean yes one or two people might keep that super personal invitation I yeah. keep all of my wedding invitations that I get because I'm a low level hoarder but <laughs> I get it there from my go. mom <laughs> but um but also that I mean most of that go like the programs and weddings and all of that stuff ends up in the recycling hopefully but it's still waste um yeah and so you were like i this there's that was also part of your distaste in mm-hmm. that con- that industry and consumerism and all of that but now yeah. like a digital space is the the global and eco- uh, environmental impact is less in the digital marketing space obviously yeah. but also yeah. um hopefully the companies that you're working with you align with whatever belief systems or or standards that yeah. they have to run their companies. How do you choose yep. who you take on as a client? Yeah, well, we actually do sort of pre-qualify people we work with. Um, you know, on a big scale, um, we definitely don't work with any company where we don't agree with what they're doing or producing. Um, but then we also really only take on clients we know we can help. Sometimes um, people come to us, you know, and they think they need something and that that's going to solve their problem per se. So like a lot of people just think they need social media marketing, right? And they just want somebody to help them do it. And that's what they think their problem is. They're like, I don't have time to post and I don't have time to do this and that. And it's like, okay, let's rewind. What is your goal? What do you, what do you want? You want more clients? You want more leads to the website? You want um, to connect with your customers, whatever that is. Okay, that's where the problem is. Now let's think about that solution. Is the solution are your clients, are these potential clients, are they even on social media? You know? So like if your audience is younger, okay, I get it. Let's do Instagram. Are they older? Okay, let's maybe focus on Facebook. Are they super professional and they're never gonna be on Instagram to try and find your company? Let's go to LinkedIn and really focus our efforts there. Um, Mm. I think people get sort of obsessed with the idea that they need to be everywhere and doing it all. And then they fail at all of them. And so people are like, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, and I don't know what I'm doing here. And I don't, I'm over there. I just need you to take it over and do it. And it's like, well, that's not going to do anything for you. That's just going to mean I'm just doing tedious work for you. Let's really make this do something to get results. And that's where SEO and PPC and these other things that are more direct they're going to get you better results than you wasting your time trying to focus on social media just because you think you need to. Um, And so when we talk with people initially, we kind of, you know, it's a little therapeutic where we really dive into what are your goals? Let's rewind, forget what we're, what we do and what our services are. What is it you want your company to do right now? You know, do you want to two times your email list? Do you want to increase revenue? Okay, how do we do that? You want more members at your fitness studio? Okay, let's do something to get make that happen. Um, and that's where I think it's different. A lot of these other agencies are like, you know, these are our services and you just buy it and get it and go. And yes. there's no support or 
strategy or like, wait, what is the game plan here? Like I have a service that's just doing something and wasting money really, but mm-hmm. nothing's happening. And so, yeah, we really dive in to think, you know, to, to get into people's businesses if they let us. And a lot of people, if they're hesitant, then it's not a good fit because ultimately we're a partner and our goal is your success. <laughs> so we need to know where the problems are so that we can then maximize that. You know, a lot of the times it's email marketing, for example, and mm-hmm. people are like, we have a list. I don't know. Well, do you email them? Is it regular? What do you say? <laughs> you know, like, and they're like, I don't know. We don't do anything. Nobody responds. But I'm like, okay, well, let's look into or that. Or it's just when they have a product and nothing, and, and it's like crickets before then. I hate yeah. that. Yeah. It's like, where'd you come from? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to buy that. <laughs> all the time. All the time. It's like, and I, and that's what we always say too, is it's about relationships. People want to connect and trust you. So, you know, they want the story. They want to know what's really going on with your company or you or whatever it is. And then they want to buy from you. And I think people, you know, want to jump the gun too much. And that's why a lot of these businesses fail. That is, I mean, first of all, you just gave us some like really cool (laughs) advice, free advice. Um, If you are a business owner or starting a business or wanting to scale your business out there, I hope you paid attention um, that, yes, sometimes you're you're kind enough to say no to people and they might Mm -hmm. take that as an affront. But actually, in your saying no or redirecting their focus that they might have come to you with, you're doing them an actual service in just that kind of mini rejection. You're Mm -hmm. letting them know that they are wasting their time, money and effort. And you're hopefully going to save them time, waste the, trying to figure out every little way that they can grow and mm-hmm. doing all the wrong ways before they land to the right way. And you're right. There are cookie cutter agencies out there, cookie cutter. The same goes, I'm a part-time personal trainer. The same goes with training. People mm-hmm. are like, I want to lose 70 pounds in one month. And I'm like, oh, Okay, let's go back. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's circle it back to like, what is your actual goal? You Oh, you want to be able to keep up with your grandchildren. Okay. Well, how yeah. do we accomplish this in like a, re- like a real way that is not going to be a flash in the pan and then a disaster mm-hmm. later, or we're both going to be angry and frustrated. And mm-hmm. you could just be like, screw you. I'm going to go to another person that's just going to give me a cookie cutter program mm-hmm. and a diet plan and all of those things. And then be angry that it's not working out because it's not personalized to your lifestyle, who you are, what your habits are. If you know that you snack a lot, well, let's continue to snack, but make those snacks healthier. The same thing is like, if you know you can't, you know, post on Instagram every day, then maybe redirect your focus on something, something else (laughs) that'll still give you great results, but you're not trying to set yourself up for failure. So that's like, I mean, that is such good advice. So I wanted to ask you, you're a mom, you have this business. How do you maintain balance? Yeah. Um, well, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially now. I mean, we're set up to to fail, really, right? So we gotta we gotta figure it out to juggle having a kid, maybe teaching them. I don't know, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I guess I have to be your mm. teacher. <laughs> Um, but you know, I have my husband and he works long hours as well. And so, 
um, there really isn't a great way to figure it all out and make everything work. But um, I think with whatever you're doing at the time, as long as you're really there at the moment, then that's the best you can do. Um, When I'm either cooking dinner, you know, I just, I'm there and I'm enjoying the idea of ingredients and what it's going to be hopefully good. (laughs) Um, If I'm playing with my daughter, I'm not doing work. I'm not on my phone, especially my phone. I realized, you know, early on when she was younger that she could see that my attention was taken away and I was on my phone. And at one point she was like, put your phone down. And oh I was like, gosh. never again. Yeah, never again. I'm well, like, that touches no at your heart. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't live for the moment of maybe getting another client or you know something with the business. I live for the moment when my little girl is looking up at me and we're being goofy and we're laughing. Like that is way more valuable than something you know me being on my phone for those ten minutes or whatever it is. And so I think just knowing like the value with the situation that you're in, whatever it is, if you're on a walk, if you're with your dog, you know, if I'm doing laundry, it's like, those are the moments that are just like, okay, breathe and just embrace it because, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed and you just enjoy it. And so that's what I try to do at least is just really enjoy the moments because they go so fast. Yes. Especially when you like blink and they go from wearing like tiny little onesies to having full on outfits and you buying shoes that are pretty much useless to them actually needing (laughs) shoes to walk around. Um, so I, I mean, I have my godson, I don't have a kid, but I have my godson and he's like, so he's grown so much in just like a few months and a few years and so I can only imagine being a parent and wanting to be present but yeah what you said about your daughter if anyone's ever babysat a kid and you try to be like on your phone they know when you're not paying attention to them they know when you don't have that focus when you're not being present and so hopefully that touches at your heart and you want to you know, remain focused with them, but you're right. You can't, it's going to be hard. It's impossible to really maintain true balance when you're juggling so many things, but being present in the moments that you have and not just for the other person, but for yourself. Right. So you can Mm -hmm. say I cooked dinner, not Mm -hmm. I cooked dinner and my mind was like 10,000 different ways, but Mm -hmm. I cooked dinner and I enjoyed the full experience and fully Mm -hmm. alive during that moment which so many people struggle with I am so addicted to my phone it is so sad (laughs) but even like in trying to like sometimes I have to just move it from the entire like space room Uh, like it's bad but that's forcing me to be in the moment Um, Now to the part of the show that I like to call roses and thorns. A Mm -hmm. rose is a great thing that's happened lately. And a thorn is maybe a bump along the road. So what is one rose and one thorn that you've had lately? Yeah, I'm going to start with the thorn because let's just get that out of the way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) A thorn. Gosh, you know, just as a business owner now, I think, um, 
trying to navigate the world of support from the government has been the most annoying thing lately for me. Mm. I feel like I hear a lot of like, you know, loans and grants and all of these things that are helping us. Cause you know, it's, we've had an office space that now we're working from home. So we're downsizing. There's just so much change. And I think that it's just really hard to find the right advice and support, whether it's from the government or anybody else. And every time I just think of the, you know, finances and, you know, trying to figure out if we qualify or if we don't and all of this money stuff just makes me not happy. (laughs) And so, I mean, it's just, it's so weird because I know we're not alone. Like of all times, we're so not alone. And I hear so many businesses closing and struggling and I just, it just bugs me so bad. I just wish we had more support for these small businesses and, and people just not knowing, you know, what next month will bring. It's just really, it bugs me. It's really hard. And for ourselves, um, because it's not just you as a business owner, you also support other businesses. So you are navigating it for yourself, but you're also hopefully like you're dealing, you're dealing with other people navigating it for themselves. And, Mm -hmm. um, as someone that works and wants to support them, it's frustrating Mm -hmm. on a double end kind of way. So what's the rose? So let's see a rose for me lately. And, you know, just kind of ever since all of this has happened, um, is my team. I love my team and we meet once a week and I'm actually going to be bringing on another team member, which is great, you know, especially in these times and, and just knowing that we still have something that's working and that we're all, we're in it together and they're as passionate as I am. I'm just so grateful to have such a beautiful team backed, you know, on, you know, the whole Margo agency team is just so awesome and dedicated and still inspired throughout all of this. And so, you know, every week when I meet them, I tell them all the time, I love seeing your guys' faces. It's just so, (laughs) it's so great. And we're so grateful that we still have work, you know, and that Mm -hmm. we're able, you know, to continue working and, and all of that. So that's definitely the rose and on and all of it is, is having each other and still continuing to be passionate to help businesses grow and, and supporting each other and knowing that, you know, everything's changed and everything's different, but we're going to get through it. And hopefully by the end, we'll be in an office together and and able to collaborate in person. Um, But I'm super grateful for my team and they, and they make it all worth it. They're like my second family. (laughs) Oh, that is so awesome. I think, Um, yeah, having the the benefit and the blessing of having a team to support you, they, mm -hmm. they don't just support you in the business stuff, but they also support you personally and they can take up slack if you need to, you know, figure out how to homes homes you can rely on people yeah you can rely on people that can help you know pick up the slack when you need to refocus your time and energy for your family so that's always like a great a great help um to cultivate that kind of relationship with the people that you work with so that you can you know pick up for each other well, yeah, especially starting as a as a sole proprietor and an independent, yes. you know, you start alone and you just feel like, okay, if I want this to be something, it's all on you. But I don't feel that I feel like, you know, I have such a great team that believes in it 
and you know, they're making it happen right alongside with me. So it's really great. Yes. I think like for a lot of people, um, I listen to a lot of like business podcasts, even though I, (laughs) I don't know why I just like to know things about everything. And one of the biggest advices to, for scaling your business, isn't like creating more content or spending more on marketing It's to hire someone else. And I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. you, you, you restrict the ability of your business because you try to take on everything on your own. And even just having an assistant that can take off the burden of answering emails or Mm -hmm. responding to Facebook inquiries or whatever can save Mm -hmm. you time that you can refocus on your family or refocus on other parts of your business. So like having a team is a great next step to growing yourself. Obviously you have to start with just yourself and it might take a few years to grow that team but having it must be an amazing blessing especially at this time well I wanted to thank you so much for being on the podcast I also wanted to ask you how can people follow along um, get to know the Margot agency and follow along on your story yeah well if you want to follow along with what we're doing and all of the new things definitely check us out on Instagram and it's just one word Margot agency M-A-R-G-A-U-X Um, and so, yeah, we push a lot of content on there and just, you know, have fun with it. Um, and then we have, if you guys want to have like a really great resource just to kind of get you started on, on the, the world to, you know, navigate the world of digital marketing, we have a ultimate digital marketing checklist that you can download. Um, and that, if you go to our website, it's margoagency.com forward slash ultimate dash digital dash marketing dash checklist dash sign up it looks like yeah so <laughs> hopefully we can put that in the notes because it's just a little yes. long but yeah um that's a great resource for people that you know it just kind of breaks it down for you on where to get started um with digital marketing that is so awesome and i will definitely leave the instagram and that the link to the checklist in the show notes so you can go ahead and check it out And again, thank you so much, Monica, for being a guest. It was so nice to hear how you became an entrepreneur and how you, you know, are such a scrapper and your mom inspired you. It's like amazing. And I thank you so much for opening up your time and your busy schedule to talk with me. And I hope that everybody goes ahead and follows the Margot agency. And while you're on Instagram, follow the tell me if you can podcast. It's tell me if you can podcast on Instagram and review this podcast, screenshot it, tag the podcast so that other people can learn more about Margot Agency and Monica's amazing story. Thank you so awesome. much, Monica. Thank you, Ogechi. Bye. Wow, let's talk about that five-day road trip. It sounds so transformative and amazing. It was so great to talk to Monica and to learn about how her spark for entrepreneurship began in a graphic design class in high school and how she was so bold enough to tell a company that she would be working for them. That is grit. I love how she allowed her social development to transform her business goals and ideals. I want to thank you all for listening to today's episode, and I've linked to the ultimate digital marketing checklist that she mentioned in the show notes below. If you would like to share this episode with a friend, screenshot and share it on Instagram, Send them the link so they can subscribe and listen and make sure you subscribe yourself. As a bonus, 
we have just started the Tell Me If You Can newsletter. So feel free to subscribe to the newsletter so you can get more in-depth Tell Me If You Can podcast goodies. As always, have a great day in your amazing story. Mm-hmm.